performerstuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hi, everyone. I'm Christian Abbott, and welcome back In the Holding Room. We are continuing Princess Month here in the Holding Room by featuring phenomenally talented women who have performed iconic roles on the Broadway stage. Now, last month in May, Disney Princess The Concert was announced, and we are featuring each of those four women who are appearing in that concert series. Now, not only have they performed princess roles on the Broadway stage, they performed many other roles, and their incredible experience can can teach you a thing or two about preparing for auditions. And that's what this podcast is all about, bringing you Broadway professionals and industry insiders to help you crush your auditions. So not only going to auditions is great experience for getting better at them, but listening to other people's stories and what did they do and what did they use to land those incredible gigs. So if you haven't listened to our previous Princess episodes, make sure you're checking out performerstuff.com. They have the complete archives of all of our episodes. And of course, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to, to back episodes. You can listen to how people auditioned for A Chorus Line, Wicked, Rent, Come From Away, Les Miserables, some big episodes, some big shows. So make sure you're checking out performerstuff.com for a complete archive. But this month, it's all about princesses. And I can't wait to introduce you to our next guest. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Our guest today in the holding room is, of course, featured in Disney Princess The Concert, but we last saw her in Lauren Yee's play Cambodian Rock Band. Now, she has many television credits, but she performed in one of my favorite shows as Andrea in Once in This Island at Paper Mill Playhouse. She made her Broadway debut in Mamma Mia, and she had the honor of being in the closing cast of the Tony Award-winning musical In the Heights, where she performed the role of Carla and also understudied Nina and Vanessa. She then went on to originate and create the role of Princess Jasmine in Disney's Aladdin on Broadway. Please welcome the amazing Courtney Reed. Courtney Reed, it is wonderful to be talking to you today. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, you know, with all this, this episode is airing in June, but it is now May 5th. And, you know, with all the publicity going out there for Disney Princess, the concert, I, I, I am so proud of what you are accomplishing and all that you're doing. So congratulations on on launching this, you know, especially during these times during this pandemic. Right. You, you guys are, are just going to kill it. I know it. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I know I was I, I was like, are we, are we doing live theater again? Is it actually happening? Oh, yes. So excited. I'm so excited. Thank you. You know, I, I, um, 
live in the central Florida area. So my wife and I were already looking at the website and I, I know tickets go on sale May 7th. And so we'll be hitting the St. Petersburg performance, which is one of your first weeks out on tour. So we can't wait to, to see you guys out there performing. Nice, nice. <laughs> you know, but you've had such a, a, a wonderful career and performed some amazing roles and obviously the original Jasmine and Aladdin on Broadway. And I was hoping that you could take our audience through some of your theatrical career and the auditions that landed you some roles and, and maybe even take us back to one of your first auditions that maybe how you got your equity card when you first started out and what that audition was like. Yeah. Oh, wow. That takes me way back to only a couple years ago <laughs> when I graduated. You know, I was I went to the Chicago College of Performing Arts at Roosevelt University and um, it was a great school. And I got to be in the city. I'm actually in Chicago now, which is kind of crazy. It's like reliving my Chicago uh, college experience. But, you know, they I was auditioning a lot throughout my college career. And I, I don't think my teachers were very excited about that. But I auditioned for one, uh, one in particular that was was an interesting audition experience. It was for Light Opera Works, and they were doing all of their shows at Northwestern. And I auditioned, and I remember I got up on the stage like very old school. You know, it's like when you get yeah. up on the stage, and the, you know, the um, the director was very old school. They sat in the audience. It was the director, choreographer, um, uh, maybe maybe a couple other people. And they had me sing a song. And then afterwards, they had me do a little um, dancing. He was like, he's like, can you do um, like a balance, a balance, a suit new, things like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this on a stage right now. Um, and I did it. And I, I was cast. And, um, you know, I don't. I don't remember much other than that. And that was, I think my, one of my very first uh, theater, like professional theater experiences, I got paid like $250 a week. And I was like, wow, I really made it, you know? Yeah. Was that, were you auditioning for the theater for the company or were you auditioning for a specific show? Yeah, I was auditioning for uh, South Pacific. Okay. And they had done two shows back to back. So then once I had auditioned for that show, they offered me the next show, which was 110 in the shade. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and I was, uh, I was in the ensemble. I was cast in the ensemble to understudy Liat All right. for South Pacific. So Great yeah. Role. Yeah. yeah. And just touching on it briefly on this show, we talk a lot about your professionalism and work ethic and right there is a great example of you being, cast in one show and then being offered the next show without auditioning and so talent but also if your work ethic and your professionalism weren't in place then you might not have been invited to participate in the next show so oh yeah i i love that you mentioned that you know your talent has a lot to do with your success but also sometimes a little bit to do with your success you know it's kind of like once you are once you sort of establish yourself as you know somebody that has talent it's kind of like well you know everybody has talent at this level it's a lot of times it's who do you want in the room with you for those you know tech hours or um those you know hard rehearsal processes when you have to be creative and um still keep your sanity and and you want to stay uh, yeah, professional and punctual and um, reliable. And that is, that's really how you continue getting 
work is that you build a reputation about yourself and it's not just about your talent. It's, it's about everything else. And, you know, people don't lie in this industry either. They're like, uh, she's impossible to work with. Don't hire her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that I'm glad you mentioned that it's very important. Do you remember what you sang for that audition? I don't remember. It was so long ago, but I would imagine it was something in the vein of, uh, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm, you're going to take my musical theater card away. Is it Rodgers and Hammerstein? Is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. So, okay. So I, I, I could have, I could have sung like, um, from sound of music, probably I would assume I would have, or maybe from my book I had, I had some Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, maybe I have dreamed that your arms are lovely from King and I. I probably did something like that. I would have chosen, you know, a song from the same composer for sure. Is that still your strategy? Do you still think about that when go going to auditions? I don't really. I mean, because most of the time I'm you get either given material. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most of the time I'm just singing from the show. Yeah. When I'm auditioning for something, it's it's that exact role, the exact um, song from the show. Um, and then what they'll do is if they want to hear something else, they'll go to my book and they'll say, okay, what do you have in your book? And, you know, I used to, I used to kind of like forget what I had in my book because I never sang from it. So I would have put a list in the very front. I would open up my book and I'd have a list. Um, otherwise I'd be flipping through my pages. Like, oh, I think I have this song in here and this song. And so I would just name off the list. I'd be like, um, I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. I've got gravity from, um, uh, a Sarah Bareilles. I've got, you know, so I had my pop songs. I had my traditional, you know, musical theater classics. And then I had my um, contemporary musical theater stuff. And of course, sometimes if they knew what my, my career was, they'd be like, ah, oh, sing something from in the Heights, will you? And I'd be like, oh, okay, sure. If I remember it, you know, um, but it's, yeah, it takes a while to get to that point, I think. Sure. So let's, let's talk about your book for a second. How many songs do you, do you take with you to an audition or to a callback that, that live in your book, would you say? Yeah, I would say probably 10 songs. And varying different genres so that you can choose what they want? Totally, yeah. I would just kind of like what I was saying is that I now that I'm thinking about my book, I do probably have two, at least two of each from contemporary meaning an up-tempo in a ballad, right? So you'd have your up-tempo in your ballad from contemporary musical theater and like the, you know, the Dear Evan Hansen uh, in the Heights, that kind of vein. Um, I don't have anything from Dear Evan Hansen because none of the roles are good for me. But, um, and then you have your pop songs, your up-tempo pop songs and your ballad pop songs. So that's Gravity by Sarah Bareilles and I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Um, and then you have your traditional. So I think I sing for contemporary ballad. I sing Unusual Way from Nine. Great. Um, love that song. Um, and for for my traditional musical theater, I don't remember. <laughs> I never sing tradition. You know, it's so interesting. It's like uh, my type. I never, I'm never right for any of those shows. Really, now that their diversity is kind of, you know, coming back. You know, colorblind casting and all of that stuff is like, you know, in the forefront now. Um, I'm probably maybe should, you know, dust off some of my old musical theater traditional stuff. Yeah. You know, it is Asian American Island Pacifica Heritage Month. And I, I wanted to talk to you uh, about your role in that, your place in that. I mean, when you were in Cambodian rock band, you know, you were representing, you know, in the Asian comedian com community there. Uh, 
And, and you are a woman that so many people see on stage and say, she looks like me, I can do this too. I mean, you know, I don't know if you got into this job to be a role model, but all of a sudden when you star in a Broadway show and do the shows like you've done, people automatically look up to you. And, and what, what do you say to those little girls, people in your community and in our theatrical community about the ethnicity of Broadway and the ethnicity or stereotyping of, of casting those roles? Thank you so much, Christian, for mentioning that. Um, and yes, happy Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, it's very exciting. You know, doing Cambodian Rock Band was extremely special for me because I had I never got to play my close to my own ethnicity, which my mother is from Thailand. She was born and raised in Thailand, but she's ethnically Vietnamese, but nationality Thai. So like I grew up with kind of a lot of the Thai culture. My dad is from Iowa, but you know, he speaks fluent Thai. And so I swear to you, I thought that my dad was Thai for like, you know, until I was nine. And then they were like, your dad's white, by the way. I was like, wait, what? Um, that was confusing. But, you know, I, I being able to play a Southeast Asian was so special to me and having my parents come to see the show. And I, I sang most of my songs in Cambodian, which is really cool. I knew what I was singing. Um, they translated the songs for me and, you know, singing them phonetically was, was kind of like, you know, the sounds that I grew up with, which it's not Cambodian, it's, it's Thai, but it, it's similar sounds. Right. So that was really special to me. And I think for a lot of the, a lot of my career, I, I kind of hid my, um, ethnicity because I knew that would hinder me from being cast in other roles that people thought that I would look like. The industry has changed so much since I, since I first got into the professional world. And I think, you know, being a role model was never something that I ever imagined that I would be. And I think, you know, when you live your life, you sort of hope and you lead by example. I'm not a super preachy person. So unless I'm preaching about like, you have to watch this TV show, it's so amazing, you know, but I, I hope that I can lead by showing even on my social media, like positivity and, um, optimism and looking at the glass half full and things like that. I try to lead in that way um, and and hope that people will follow. But, you know, when I look at people who were, um, you know, like Leia Salonga was somebody who who I admired and I looked up to and and I'm sure she would probably feel the same way. Like, I mean, I was just cast in this role like I had nothing to do with it. I didn't choose to be, you know, a, a role model. But she was she was for me because she was one of the few sort of Asian American actresses that um, well, she's Filipina as well, but um, also American that 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 really paved the way, I think, for a lot of the, you know, the ladies to follow and, and the gents as well, but we're, we're doing so well, I think. And I'd love to, to dwell in the positive of, of the change in our industry is it's incredible to see. And, you know, now I can't play Latina anymore, which is fine, but I was like, you know, there's so many more Latina roles for me. And that's kind of why I was like, I think I need to hide like who I am. And then, and then for, you know, when I realized I don't want to do that anymore and, and getting to do Cambodian rock band was like this like new, like awakening for me, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, sorry. That was a really long answer for a very short no. question. No, no, not at all. I mean, I, 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 ha I have to admit as a, uh, 
middle-aged, white, heterosexual male, I don't always know how to ask the question. And I, I, it's an important topic and, and theater is changing. The, the world is changing. And I know that there are women who are graduating college right now who saw you as Jasmine on Broadway or who saw you in the Heights. And they were like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. You know? So I, I know that that moment is, is there. And I, I, I would be an idiot not to address it and and not to provide you with an opportunity to speak to the woman in our audience that is curious or wondering. So thank you. It was it was great. I, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And I, I appreciate you asking. And, and it is interesting to think, you know, my nieces who are quarter Asian, when they're when I watch TV shows with them, um, like on the you know Nickelodeon channel or Disney channel, or when I watch even Disney movies with them, it's they don't know what it's like to not see an ethnic Disney princess. You know, they don't know that life. I knew that right, life. Right. And that, I mean, it's not like it directly affected me in such a negative way. It, it affected me in a positive way when I saw Jasmine for yeah. the first time. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, look at that. She looks like me and that's so cool. I can be a princess too. And now they've seen, they're like Moana, <laughs> Mulan, Pocahontas. They've seen all of them. And, and they uh, these Disney shows, they have representatives of of. Asians all over the place. And so it's, it's wonderful. They don't know that life of not seeing themselves represented on a TV or on a, on a Broadway stage. So it's wonderful. It is. And let's, let's, let's talk about Jasmine and that audition, that audition process and, and what it's like, you know, I, uh, I spoke to Rhea Jones and she created in the workshop, the role of Norma Desmond for Sunset Boulevard, but she wasn't the original Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard. So you have that unique opportunity where you created the role, but then you also were the original Broadway Jasmine. So it was quite the lengthy process before you even got to Broadway as Jasmine. So I was wondering if you could take us maybe through that original audition process and and, and what that whole workshop and making it to Broadway in that role was like. Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning that. It's such a it is such a cool experience. I'm, I I always say I'm so glad they didn't replace me with Nicole Scherzinger. You know, I, I can say this from you know for the youngins, she was from the Pussycat Dolls and she was famous way back in the day, um, and she still is. But um, yeah, you know, I auditioned. My agents called and they said, uh, you have an audition for a workshop of Aladdin." I'm like, "Aladdin? This is crazy." And, you know, my friend. Um, who is Indian, who I did Mamma Mia with, we, we had these high hopes that, you know, they would bring a lot into Broadway someday. And I was like, you can play Jasmine and I'll be your understudy. It'll be amazing, you know? And, um, and so I, I remember getting this call thinking like, wait, they're doing a reading of this? Are they developing the show? That's so crazy. And it was me and maybe four other girls that auditioned for this very small, intimate reading. And I got cast and I was like over the moon. And of course, so much of my um, getting cast as Jasmine before Broadway happened was a lot of celebrating, but also reminding myself that, you know, this could be the last time, you know, it's like, it's like my whole career as Jasmine, which is like span of 10 years has been like, okay, but this could be the last time. Even every time I go back to the Broadway show or go to London or do, you know, I'm like, okay, this is the last time. And everyone's like, no, it's not. Um, but anyway, so I got, I got cast and I did the, the 29 hour reading and it was, you know, with Jonathan Freeman, the original Jafar and Adam Jacobs, who ended up playing Aladdin on Broadway. And uh, I had to re-audition one more time when Casey Nicola um, signed on to be our director. And that was when they had fast-tracked it to, the reading went so well, they fast-tracked it to the Fifth Avenue season in Seattle. 
And they like bumped out another show. They were like, bye, we're putting Aladdin in here. And I auditioned for Casey Nicola and I sang Whole New World. I did a couple scenes and that was about it. And, um, and you know, it was, it was just a constant audition from then on. You know, we talked about, or how you talked about earlier, the emphasis of, you know, being the kind of person that the people want to work with. And, and I think, you know, I, I was actually on a podcast and I was like, it was actually the easiest audition of my life. And they were like, actually it wasn't because you were, you were constantly auditioning until you had that role you're auditioning. And it's true. You're on your best behavior. You show up on time, you memorize your lines. You hope that you sound glorious every time you sing the songs. Um, but I was just so lucky. I got to work with Alan Menken many times and um, I got to be a part of developing a character that I was so, you know, in love with. So that it was just so special. I, I still get to, you know, bask in it with Disney Princess the concert, you know, and um, I get to be Jasmine forever, which is, you know, what all of my hopes and dreams came true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that you that you brought that up. I mean, you were auditioning throughout that run in Seattle. You know, if you had given attitude or developed, you know, uh, an unlikable personality or, you know, your professionalism, they were like, you know what, maybe we need to go with somebody else when we take the show to Broadway. But I also love that because there is a lot of opportunity for people to get work for workshops and for readings. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a moment there like, yes, you, you got cast in this workshop or in this reading. There's no guarantee that it takes you to Broadway. So continue to be on your best behavior and be professional because there's, there's some good work out there just for readings and workshops. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, there it's, I don't know what the percentage is, but it can go either way. You know, you could do a workshop and a reading and they just recast you immediately for the next reading. And you know, a lot of times it has nothing to do with you. Uh, but sometimes if you're a nightmare to work with, it has everything to do with you. You know, it's like maybe increase your odds by not being a nightmare. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the rehearsal process and what that was like. Yeah, it was, um, you know, that almost every show I've ever done, the rehearsal process is so similar, right? You know, it's like you do community theater or you do a Broadway show and it's essentially kind of the same, um, which I think is is fun for, for folks who've never done a Broadway show to know that it's like, oh, it's just the same. You know, you're getting great practice by doing community theater or regional or Broadway. Um, it's just Broadway, there's a lot more money, you know? So they have big, you know, we rehearsed in um, uh, 42nd Street Studios. This was this was before we did our, our second out of town in... Um, in Toronto before we brought it to Broadway and uh, 42nd Street Studios are stunning right on 42nd Street, floor to ceiling windows. We have props and, um, you know, stages, you know, the mock stage built for us. And um, it's so great so that you can get a feel for what it's like to actually do the show, run the show with your shoes and, um, you know, your heels and uh, your skirts and things because there's, you know, skirtography that you have to do and, and all this kind of fun stuff. But 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 yeah, the rehearsal process for me is some of the most fun stuff because that's where the creativity happens. It does also during the show, during runs where you see reactions to, you know, the audience members laughing at certain parts. You're like, oh, I'm going to add this. Um, but it's so fun to discover new things and to play with your scene partners for the very first time and see what authentically happens. It's it's some of the best best parts of theater. Yeah. With the the shows that you've been a part of, working with some 
phenomenal creative teams. Has there been a moment where they said something, gave a direction or provided an insight that was a real light bulb moment for you that you, that you carry with you today? Yes. Casey Nicola sat me down after rehearsals in Seattle and said, you know, uh, Courtney, you've got to match the energy of the rest of the cast. And I was so worried about, um, being playing Jasmine so authentic and real, I didn't want her to come across as some sort of caricature of the film. I didn't want people to think that this was, that she wasn't a real princess. I wanted her to be real. But what I didn't realize is that in doing so, I, I wasn't giving the energy that she needed. And that's what it is. It's like with a Disney show, especially, it's heightened, it's bringing a cartoon and plopping them on a stage, right? So it's all heightened, but it's real. So, and with comedy, you know, comedy doesn't land unless people buy into it, right? Unless they buy into what you're doing. You can't make fun of what you're, unless it's, that's, it's that kind of show, but that's not what Aladdin is. It's that you're not making fun of the characters. You are, you are heightening them into a heightened world. However, you're delivering your lines in an authentic way. So the comedy lands, right? And so when he sat me down and he said, you got to match what's going on here. Cause you know, you got, you got James Monroe Iglehart, who is larger than life. You know what I mean? As the genie. And you have Adam Jacobs, who is just innately sort of a lot in, you know, and, and he gave me that note and it made so much sense to me. I said, I'm worried that she's not going to come across like real and authentic. He's like, trust me, you you are the kind of actress that's never going to let that happen. So don't worry about that. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. And so then, you know, I did it and I, I think it, I think it helped a lot. That was, that was some really good advice from him. And, and advice that you could probably take to any show that you do for the rest of your life. Like keep, you know, that's great. Definitely. When you go to these auditions, you're sent there by your agent and a lot of performers coming out of college are like, well, I can't get a show unless I get an agent, but I can't get an agent unless I get a show. How did you land your agent? Yeah, um, well, I had agents in Chicago, which which really helped me get into the rooms for, um, I, well, specifically for Mamma Mia, which was my Broadway debut. I auditioned in Chicago and I and I booked Broadway from Chicago. Mamma Mia was a very specific show in which they did see actors from open calls and they cast actors from open calls in their shows. I, I absolutely love Mamma Mia for that reason. Um, but for... Um, oh, this is, this is tough. So, oh, well, I, I, in Chicago, I did a submission. It's easier if you're not in the city. I did a hard submission as far as this was a long time ago, but I sent out headshots, (laughs) like literally mailed headshots with my resume on them and a little cover letter saying like, I'm, you know, really love your agency and this and that. And I got an overwhelming response. I got responses from like four or five different agencies. And here you could multi-list, you could be with many people at the same time. When I went to New York, that was difficult. I did the same thing and I got maybe a couple responses and I had a Broadway show. So it was like, I moved to New York with a Broadway show and I still really couldn't get an agent. The agent that I have now that I've had for like over 10 years, maybe 10, 10 or over 10 years now, they saw me in, in the Heights and they had a client there in the show, Priscilla Lopez, who we all know is, um, you know, uh, the OG Diana Morales from A Chorus Line, they represented her and she was in our show. I was like, no big deal. Um, She was in our show and they came to see the closing night of In the Heights. And one of the agents saw me in the show and was like, who's that? 
And they called me and I called around and I asked a bunch of my friends about this agency and I didn't hear a single bad thing about them. And I signed with them and I've been with them ever since. But, you know, I mean, I guess it helps if you're like in your second Broadway show and it was like a Tony nominee, Tony award winning swept from 2008. Um, that does help. Oh, yeah. That's always a tricky thing. Getting agents is tricky. But you never know who's in the audience. You know, that is correct. You never know who's in the audience. And that that goes for your college production, your dinner theater production, your regional theater production. You know, if you're dancing on a cruise ship, you never know who is in the audience and what right. that person can do for you and how if you move them and shine, you know, you never know who's in the audience. So you always got to give it your all. I, 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 I love that. You, you know, you maybe, you know, maybe your story, you felt like, you know, wasn't the lesson, but there is an amazing lesson right there. You never know who's in the audience and how they can change your life, what they oh can do for gosh. you. <laughs> you're so right. You're so right. And that's why it's like, no matter how you're feeling that day, when you're doing your show, you got to give a hundred percent. Yeah. And I also love the fact that you said how similar community theater rehearsals are to Broadway theaters, because I kind of touted the same thing when I was growing up was like, it's all the same. It's just different theaters. I mean, I was in the show called EFX starring Michael Crawford in Las Vegas. And at the time it was the most expensive show in the world. It was a $70 million production. And I kid you not, it felt like the same rehearsal process that I went through when I did applause at the Dayton Playhouse in Ohio, mm -hmm. you, you know, like the camaraderie, the expectation, you know, it's, it's so similar. It's just grander and there's a little more responsibility. I mean, Susan was on and she was like, you know, you have to put your business hat on. If it's a $20 million production and there are 20 million people, in, there's 20 people in the cast, each one of you represent a million dollars. So be professional. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. I never thought about that. That's so true. But, but I think the excitement and the grandeur of the Broadway setting, you know, of course we'll create some nervousness and some apprehension, but trust yourself. If you've done those productions in community theater and college and theme parks and cruise ships, you know, regional theaters, like you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's just grander and the stakes are higher. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your story and, and helping our audience guide them along the way. And if you don't mind, I'd like to bring you back in a minute for our lightning round. Yes, I would love that. Amazing. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search preview print at performerstuff.com. Courtney Reed, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. I got 15 questions. We're going to get through it as quickly as possible. Gut reaction. Here we go. Question number one, first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over. Miss Saigon. Go-to song when singing in the shower. Anything Ariana Grande. <laughs> Cake or pie. <laughs> Hi. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. In the Heights. Who is someone 
that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? My nieces. <laughs> if you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Aladdin. <laughs> Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good eye, mate. All right. Stephen Sondheim is writing a new musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> okay. South Pacific or Oklahoma? South Pacific. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Oh, Swedish Fish all the way. Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Ugh, llamas. Llama drama. <laughs> Llama drama. Go-to cast album went on a road trip. Dear Van Hansen. Duet you enjoy singing both parts to? Oh, uh, at last I see the light from Tangled. Next superhero to have their Broadway musical? Wonder Woman, of course. All right, Courtney, you're directing a show and I walk into the audition. You don't see me, you haven't seen me sing, dance, or act. What do you typecast me as? Harold Hill from The Music Man. <laughs> <laughs> I will totally do that. I will totally do that. Let me call Hugh Jackman to see if he's taking a day off. Hugh, <laughs> I got this. Sit down, Hugh. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, I can't thank you enough for spending the day with us. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you in concert when you guys go out on tour in November. Uh, tickets go on sale May 7th. So when this airs, tickets are on sale. Please make sure that you visit the website and check it out. We will link that in the show notes. But if you could, what is the one thing that you're most excited about for people to see at this concert? Oh, uh, then the brand new animations that are going to be that are going to be uh, gloriously uh, behind us while we sing these your favorite Disney classics, and uh, you get to relive all of those childhood moments that that we just really need right now. And just live theater, just live theater. Yes, getting that curtain back up again. And I just have to mention, I think it's so cool how you guys are offering opportunities for some people to come meet you backstage. So, I mean, as I mentioned earlier on in our interview, you know, you have been a role model to so many people. So for them to have the opportunity to meet the woman who created the role of Princess Jasmine in Disney's Aladdin is phenomenal. So take advantage of that, everybody. But Courtney, thank you so much. I will see you in November in St. Petersburg for the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're the best. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. Courtney Reed, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview. And I, I love the fact that she talked about uh, that long audition period for Princess Jasmine, you know, like, she thought it was pretty easy, but actually through all of the workshops and all of the out-of-town tryouts, she was 
still auditioning. The show wasn't cast yet on Broadway. A lot of people take part in readings and workshops and don't go on to create the role on Broadway. So you're always on, you're always auditioning. I know in one of my earlier jobs at my first equity theater, I pretty much got hired in the next show because of my behavior and performance in the previous show. So even though I was cast in the show I was doing, I was kind of still auditioning for the next show or the next time I wanted to work in that theater. So I love that she talked about that. Some great lessons, some great things to think about even after you've booked the gig. Maybe you're auditioning for that director's next show throughout your performance of your current show. Hope that makes sense, but amazing stories there. Make sure you're checking out DisneyPrincessConcert.com so you can see Courtney Reed, Susan Egan, Laura Osnes, Aisha Jackson, all on stage at this phenomenal show. Some amazing music. And of course, some phenomenally talented people performing those songs. You're not going to want to miss it. 84 cities, it's coming somewhere near you. So make sure you're checking it out. It's going to be a phenomenal show. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, say hi to the bald guy when you walk by, all right? All right. Well, we have one more episode coming your way uh, for Disney Princess Month. You're not going to want to miss it. And for all of your audition needs, make sure you're checking out performerstuff.com. I was reading some really good articles that you don't want to miss. A couple of them about college, auditioning for college. And we have some people talk about that in the past. And we have some episodes coming up about auditioning for college as well. So make sure you're checking out performerstuff.com. Some great music, some great monologues, and some great articles that can really help you out along the way. So until next time, we'll see you later when you come back in the holding room. <laughs>